Hello, I'm Lindsay Recknell, and this is the Hope Motivates Action podcast. On this podcast, I get to spend time with super motivated and inspirational people. People like today's guest, Andrea Toraville. Hope has played a large role in Andrea's life as she's navigated mental health, discrimination, scarcity, parenthood, and divorce. In this episode of the podcast, Andrea will share how a very challenging life moment prompted her to take action on her personal development and seek out a coach to help her through the next stages of her life. She'll teach us how she learned how to use hope as a tool for motivation, implemented a plan to action her next set of goals, and launched a work-life balance website, all the while working on herself and helping her kids through their family transition. After the podcast, if you like what you hear and you're ready to take action in your life, please visit my website at expertinhope.com and let's chat further about how I can speak to you and your organization. My message and my work is all about using the science of hope to motivate action. Because without action, hope is just a wish. Hello, everyone, and thank you and welcome to the Hope Motivates Action podcast. We are here today with my good friend, Andrea Toraville. Andrea is a career and learning specialist with several years experience in focusing on career development, work-life balance, and employability skills training. She's consulted, advised, and mentors to diverse organizations and individuals. Andrea has a business degree with a focus in human resources and project management. She's also a certified career and academic advising specialist. She's recently launched her new business called Carly Lance, in which she's developed and delivered employability skills training for both nonprofit and academic student learning environments. Welcome, Andrea. So pleased to have you here with us today. I'm excited. I wanted to reach out to you originally because you have a really great story to share. I know you've been through a lot in your life and more specifically in the last few months and would love to hear (laughs) more about your story, to hear what Carly Lance is all about, why and how you started that work. And also, let's talk about hope. Let's talk about how you've used hope to motivate action in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because like about maybe an hour ago, something came across my mind and I can't even remember fully what it was, but it was something along the lines of, I feel like I'm the princess of adversity, but the queen of perseverance. <laughs> right. But I don't like tiaras. I like crowns, right? So <laughs> if I can be a queen, I will be happy. But, you know, I don't want to use up this whole podcast with my story, which I'm sure I could take a complete hour to tell it. But just a little snippet of my life. You know, I grew up probably economically and emotionally challenged, I would think. I have a great dad who's awesome and a brother, but I was raised in a not so normal environment. I mean, really, what is normal? Abnormal is the new black, I guess, where my mom was out of the picture since I was about four, four and a half years old due to mental illness, just was not in the space to be able to help raise us. So my dad took on that responsibility. We had a lot of economic challenges throughout our lives. So by the time I graduated from high school, which, I mean, that that's the picture of hope right there, considering I flunked most of grade 10. We had moved 17 times. There was just a lot of things that we had going on. And I'm just giving little brief things here or there. 
when it comes to adult life, as we all do, we try and figure out this whole adult thing. And I was always very excited to be an adult growing up, I think, as a child, just because I felt like that's where I could start to make my own decisions. And if I was going to get a bunch of scars from some adversity, that it would probably be things that I could be accountable for versus other people, which was really nice, (laughs) except it wasn't at times. And then I would just love to fast forward to more recently. So I sought you out when you started going on this career direction because we've known each other for years now and I've always wanted to work with you. I've definitely admired you from afar. You're smart, you're sharp, you're wonderful, you're unbelievably likable. (laughs) More, you want some more? I'll get some more. And we decided to start in June, I believe, at the beginning of June. And I think you definitely recognized in the tone of my voice what is going on. And about a week before that, a week and a half before that, there was, and I'm being very cautious here because I I know that things like this can go out into the internet and I want to be mindful of my children, but there was a decision to divorce in my home and I still wanted to achieve my goals. So one of my goals was to launch Carly Lance, which I'll give you guys a little briefing on what that is here shortly and one was to run a 5k which I did yesterday with you by my side thank you girly it was Uh, awesome well it was my first 5k race in about 15 years so you know at the tender age of 4.1 you know it's kind of not something that even though people want to do it it's it's definitely difficult to jumpstart that again but there's a bit of hope (laughs) and motivation as well as adrenaline that comes to you when you're faced with adversity, at least in my world, that is just because that's when things start to get propelled a little bit more. And yeah, Carly Lance, this normalizing my life again, doing some more pivots and changes here, there and everywhere, making healthy decisions for me, my kids and my home right now. You know, this weekend I had so many events on the go. I just want to throw this out there. And it's like, you hope you can (laughs) accomplish everything. But I decided to opt out of a couple because, you know, now that I have my kids part-time, we have a 50-50 split. They had two big birthday parties. I had the run in the morning and I had to opt out of a couple other events. And you have to make your choices and you hope that people will understand and time will tell if they do. But yeah. I think that's a pretty fast forward snippet. And I'm sure when people listen to this, really like, um, can she fill in the gaps? No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we do not have time. <laughs> but it all just goes to show how fascinating and how much and the scope and scale of everything that's gone on in your life from a very early age, all the way fast forward until as recently as, you know, two and a half months ago, life continues to change and evolve and you have to roll with it and moving 17 times. Like, let's talk about the change management involved there as a (laughs) a small person all the way through, you know, when your brain is developing through high school and now Mm -hmm. into adulthood and Mm -hmm. holy smokes. I hope (laughs) that you look back on this part of your life so far and go, holy hell, look at how well I came through all of that. You know, looking back or thinking of specific moments, it's probably hard to remember how powerful it felt after. I hope you do look back and be proud of yourself for coming through some of those things, because 
you know, like we talk about the resilience and strength that that'll give you to get through the next things that are inevitable as we go through life. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that part of your story. You referenced hope a lot, which, you know, was not just a clever plant on my part, but could you tell us a little more, like, what does hope mean to you? I mean, it's a phrase we throw around often, but can you tell us what hope means to you? So, you know, and I hope this is not, I hope, (laughs) I feel like I haven't used that word in so long and now I use it all the time. I kind of lean more on the term faith than I do on hope which obviously are synonymous, and just faith that things turn around. The thing is, when it's circumstantial, right? And most of my stuff throughout life, like even though like, oh my God, that's insane, that's trauma, how's she even getting out of bed in the morning? Most of them are circumstantial. And circumstances are a lot different than things that are completely out of our control, right? Stuff happens to people. You know, one friend of mine, her husband had said something to me that's always going to resonate with me. She might have told him this, but I just told her the other day how it resonated with me. And he had said it years ago. And he had said, bad things happen to people. Like, nobody's exempted from this. There's no good or bad. Like, we always question, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do bad people get all this? No, 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 no. (laughs) Good and bad happens to people period, right? And when you start to look at life with those kind of lenses and perspective, it kind of allows you to keep your sanity. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I've had some great times, some great years, amazing memories. Hello, darling. I have wicked ass stories. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no boring up in this story, right? There's a lot of great stories that come from this. And you know what? You touched on things like resilience and stuff like that. One of the things that happened, especially if I look at like one, moving so much as a child, you've worked in the workplace. One of my best skills, which is one of the skills that are sought out by so many employers is adaptability. (laughs) Nobody can adapt or pivot better than I can. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) It's just not a thing. I pivot, 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 right? And I adapt very well. And it's a saying, and it's something I teach a lot of students on. Resiliency, bouncing back, being able to brush the dirt off your shoulders and get back up. Like that's something I do often enough that I have that skill. You know, there's so many other skills that come out of that type of adversity that is actually extremely valuable to me today and has allowed me to overcome a lot more challenges. You know, I would even think that there was a time in one of the places I worked and I don't want to say anything about the place that I worked because I loved that place that I worked. However, I really struggled with something that happened. So one of the managers there I come to my office and said, hey, do you know what one of our clients has said? I was like, oh, what did they say? And they're like, a better person suited for your job was an old white man. Now, these are three things that I can't control, right? (laughs) No, no, you cannot change your gender, your heritage, your age, but yes, my my age, right? And you know, I'm like, well, if that's what's going to qualify me for my job, which I've been doing well, I've really struggled with this. And I struggled with that for a long time. I would say that that messed me up more (laughs) than a lot of these other things did because that was a choice that somebody had made and it was telling me I was unqualified based on things that were out of my control, right? Right. Circumstances, well, there's always another house, you know, there's always another situation out there. You know, oddly enough, I look at the situation with my mom and it created a massive amount of awareness with me. I mean, by the time I started to be more cognitively aware of a lot of things, 
I dove into mental illness. I dove into understanding it. I dove into understanding myself. What would be my trigger points? What could cause that? Because people need to understand mental illness doesn't discriminate. It will hit anybody at any given time. And it doesn't matter who you are. So learning that and not running from that was important to me so that it helped me through a lot of things. So after I had my first child, I had a bit of postpartum depression. Boom. I got myself a therapist and I'm all about therapy. I think it's amazing. So I don't know if that answers the question, but it just gives you a bit of insight as to what hope looks like for me and why I do continue to stay hopeful, even though I pretty much could have thrown in a few white towels at this point. I like it. It definitely gives us a sense of what hope means to you and how you use it. So you talked about resiliency and perseverance and how you're really good at that. And because of your history and the things you've all been through, you know, it's really given you the experience to show up well in various situations moving forward. What is your number one tip for developing better resilience? Don't try and avoid shit. Fair enough. Yeah, I like it. Don't try and run because you could be running forever and shit is faster than you are. So it will come around the corner that you think that you are in a safe zone and it will hit you like a ton of bricks, right? There's nothing you could do. So I use the example of athletes a lot and I really admire a lot of athletes. And I know people are like, athletes, athletes. Well, keep in mind, a lot of athletes go through a ridiculous amount of stuff to be able to get to that level of success, right? I mean, we can even look at somebody like Serena Williams, you know, after she had her baby, she's still going back. She didn't have to go back. (laughs) She didn't have to go back to work. The girl didn't got to go back to work, but she still tries to persevere and overcome. She's got nothing but barriers. You know, we look at Tiger Woods. This is another example. Why did he have to go back to golf? He went back and he overcame all the stuff through all of his adversity and continues to push through, right? And It's because at the end of the day, they know that they have a passion and a love, but in the same breath, they're not going to avoid the tough things they have to get through to be able to achieve a goal again, no matter how long it takes. And showing up is half the battle, right? We see this a lot with adults. It's even in the psychology books, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm a psychologist, but I do read stuff like this. Our human behavior, especially the older we get, the cement starts to solidify around our ankles. We subconsciously want to get complacent we subconsciously want to be able to be stable and (laughs) we love the word stability well along with stability comes shock and awe because the moment that you feel like you're stable is the moment that something might happen not saying it's going to happen but you'll have these amazing few years like I had great years but stuff happened I would have never thought it would have happened but it did and I still decide to show up So with perseverance, especially in overcoming it, it's hard at first, but it's harder to avoid that as well. You say, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is hard. I have no more faith, blah, 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 blah. The thing is, those things can be restored as fast as you want them to be. It's just that it's going to take some work. Now, the sooner you do that, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. The longer it takes you to do that, it's pain still. It's going to be longer, (laughs) unfortunately but then you get to your gain. I like to get to my gain. I love to be in a thriving place. I don't want to be underneath that basic level of survival needs. I like to thrive. Tell me how you get back up. 
How do you motivate? Because we all know what we have to do, what we need to do, but how the hell do we do it? I think the buzzword for it these days is putting yourself in a pretty vulnerable place. And as much as I can't stand it, I hate it. That would be one of the things, especially with the most recent thing of being vulnerable. Before I had a lot of scripts, before I was able to just say, I always had a definitive statement for stuff that had a punchline attached to it, which allowed me to get through conversations and blah, blah, blah. But those were just coping things versus now just saying, I feel like crap. And it's just not going to happen. Picking up the phone, telling your friend, you know, and I had to do this recently. I had to tell one of my friends, is it okay if I just don't go to your bridal shower? I really just don't think I can do it. It's too insane for me. And who knows? I may have lost equity with that friend, but she seemed very empathetic and understanding, right? I'm still going to her wedding. I just feel like right now was not a good time for me to be in that type of a social atmosphere, considering I've got so much social atmospheres coming up. So it's a bit of vulnerability for sure. And then it's exploration and finding what works for you. So everybody's different. This time what got me to where I am right now, and I'm not saying it's this perfect place and blah, 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 is kind of incorporating some new practices in my life. So one of the practices that I've had since I was in grade nine, I was expelled from a school because I was a shithead. And then I had to go to a new school and it was about two or three months before grade nine graduation. Keep in mind, I'm crushed because I don't get to graduate with my friends. And I woke up one morning with this big bump on my face. And I was like, what? I got on the bus to get to school. And then I opened up the compact to tweeze my eyebrows to check them. And all of a sudden, half my face is covered in these bumps. I'm like, what the hell? So I get to school, not feeling 100% as well. Not the brightest kid back then, but smart enough to know, maybe I shouldn't go to my classroom. Maybe I should go to the office. The lady at the front desk looks at me like I am an alien and forces me into the nurse's room right away. Actually, not forced because I didn't really have much energy. One of my parents showed up because I had a stepmom at the time and they took me to the hospital. So the doctor looks me over. She has chicken pox. By the next day, I was covered. Had to tell, and I mean, even in my mouth. So the moral of the story is I started wearing makeup. Now, this is where the practice comes in. So I've been wearing makeup since grade nine, religiously, like barely have ever taken a break from makeup. That is one of my practices to help me show up because it's not only my suit of armor at times, but it's also my mask at times. So it's allowed me to cover up a lot of things. And people have always said, oh, you know, your makeup's so nice. I'm like, thanks. But really, I'm just thinking, it's my mask today. I was just at the children's hospital until three o'clock in the morning, barely got any sleep. And this is covering up the bags in my eyes, right? So where I'm going with this, it's all about a practice. So incorporating practices and having some discipline. So me, it's makeup. Like even when you have kids and stuff like that, you want to get rid of all those things. Anything that causes you to be high maintenance is the last thing you want. And if somebody wants to call me high maintenance because of my, my makeup, go ahead. But it's a routine. It takes me like 10 minutes to do and I get it done. So after this situation happened and many other situations of the past, like I've always found a new practice. So this time I had a practice that I found. It was a three pages writer's model thing. And it was actually one of my friends had sent me this workshop that was happening in Edmonton and asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, oh, I couldn't. And I had to tell her I was getting a divorce and blah, 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 blah. But then I looked into this speaker and she has this three pages exercise. And then I Googled it. Seems like lots of people have adopted this. So I started to get up every morning 
and just purge my mind on three pages. And it allowed me to get through the rest of the day because anything that was negative or exhausting or emotional, I got out right away. And there were some mornings in the last two and a half months, I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning to complete this thing. But it helped me to be able to get to that gym and not be bogged down or crying on my treadmill. And then I also did like this affirmation exercise too that I decided to put that with that. And I never miss a day for 40 days because they tell you got to do these things for like 40 days. And then I decided to take a break one day and it felt like crap again. And I was like, okay, so you're not here yet. But this has been something that's been helping you, right? So when people see me, they're like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe you're getting a divorce. You do not look like somebody who's getting a divorce. I'm like, well, it's probably these practices, these gifts to myself that are helping me get through the day, giving me hope for the next day, allowing me to focus on, you know, not only positivity, but to name my hurts and to purge my hurts and to get acts of forgiveness. And it led to like all of these things that allowed me to say, okay, like this is how you're going to live, Andrea. I'm 41. Say if this is my halftime. I'm hoping it's not, but say if this is my halftime. Say 82 is when things might be starting to go downhill for me. Am I going to waste a year of my halftime <laughs> on being miserable? No, I want to be able to get through this healing process rapidly and as fast as possible. It's the right thing to do. And some people might think like, oh, well, maybe this is the best thing. You're divorced, blah, blah, blah. I don't ever know if it will be the best thing. All I know is that it's a reality. And you have to find a way to push through. And I don't want to be saying a year and a half from now, oh, this is the best thing or anything. No, because I have these two beautiful children who are a product of this marriage. And even though it didn't work and it's done, these two kids have to be represented at all times. And they would not be here without these two people. So I keep that top of mind. I try and have perspective. What are the gifts that came out of this, right? There's so many things you said that I want to come back to. So practices. What I heard you say is you have kind of three practices that are working for you right now and have been working for a while. Putting on your makeup, you know, you look good, you feel good, that kind of whole idea. You do these three pages of brainstorming, get it out of your head. Interesting, the three pages concept has come up a lot in some of my readings, some of my conversations, a lot in the last few months. And I think you were one of the first ones that told me about it, but it's come up a number of times. Yeah, so that's awesome. And then your gratitudes, your daily gratitudes for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of comes back to self-care. Talk about how self-care is really important and how often, especially as women, we put self-care on the back burner. So I know that self-care is a big part of your work with Carly Lance. And the, mm -hmm. one of the big reasons you started Carly Lance was to continue to promote self-care. Mm -hmm. Talk more about self-care and what it means to you and how people can make time for self-care. So with self-care, and it's funny because I never really knew I was somebody who was into self-care until one of my ex-bosses has said to me, I had never met anybody who's so into self-care. And I was like, huh? But for me, these were just practices. These were just normal things. My shoulders are tight. I'm going to go get a massage. My wrist is hurting. Probably need to see a physiotherapist. Like just tackle these things while they're here before they become bigger problems, right? Because I think at this point, I let you guys know that I'm very aware that problems happen all the time. So why am I going to make 
bigger problems for myself. And self-care are things that help you reduce having more problems on your shoulders, literally. Things like the writing practice. Self-care is also being able to help other people. I'm not talking about like from a superficial level or anything, but I'm like, I feel like my cup needs to be full. I love volunteering. That's self-care for me, right? Being able to give back, but also to be able to stay humble. Because a lot of times when you're volunteering, your eyes are open to the realities of the world around you. And it's not as dark as we think. And sometimes it's not as wonderful as we believe, right? I like to be able to have a full perspective. But I think for people, they have to find what works for them. Laughter is self-care. It's important, I think, for people to understand, like when we're talking about balance, especially because we're always about this like work-life balance, which is really what Carly Lance is about. And I don't want to go too much into that unless you want me to, is the part about balance is the only time that we realize that our life is not balanced is when it feels like it's out of balance. It's more than likely chaotic, but we have a way to manage it. We've adapted to this chaos, but it's when it gets really, really bad. That's when we usually feel out of balance. So whether we have a crap boss at work who's ticking us off, a child who's been sick for two months or something like that, that's when we feel out of balance. And then we go to a place when things might be somewhat okay, where we're trying to recover. And sometimes that keeps us out of balance because we're starting to incorporate something new into our lives. At least this is what I firmly believe. So what I like to do is in any way I can be proactive versus reactive. So my shoulders are hurting today and life is going okay. I'm going to go book a massage. Why? Because if shit hits the fan tomorrow, <laughs> I'm not getting that massage right away because it's not top priority anymore. I do want to talk a little bit about Carly Lance because I know you started it as a work-life balance deal, but I also know that you don't think work-life balance is a thing. So right. how do we reconcile that when we hear, you know, we must have better work-life balance? I mean, I'm not going to be somebody who would put out a LinkedIn post saying work-life balance is BS. No, it's not BS, but it's also not it's hard to explain fully except for the way that I just explained it like usually when we're starting to recognize that we need more balance in our life it's because the chaos is out of our scope and we can't manage that right I've had a very chaotic life that other people are like I can't even fathom 10 minutes in your world right but most of the time especially in my adult life I never really felt out of balance per se because I have these practices or I'm maybe really self-entuned that I'm like, okay, this is what I want and I need. And how can I be able to get that right now to recover from something, whether it's a burnout or something like that. What Carly Lance stands for is actually, it's actually an acronym. So it stands for career. So C-A-R-L-I, life, L-A-N-C-E, balance. So I just wanted to make it something that was relatable. I wanted to make it, and then out came this name, Carly Lance. And I was like, oh, well, that's cute. Let's do it. And Carly Lance has kind of been in my head for like three years. And while I'm still working it out, working out the kinks and all that stuff, you know, we're getting a bunch of things done. It's a process. I wanted to make it live. I wanted to make it a real thing. I wanted to make her a real thing. And I didn't want it to be about Andrea. Andrea this and Andrea that. I want to eventually grow it into a community where people are providing, and not only me, our how-tos, our how-tos navigate, our how-to overcome. 
for everybody. And it's just a quick how-to and they're qualified ones, right? 41 years on this earth, you know, I've done a lot of things, could probably have done more travel, but I've done a lot of things and experienced a lot. And there's things that I might've experienced in my teenage life that people are experiencing now. So why didn't I write the how-to? Now with the balance piece, it is BS and then it's not BS. What I really just feel is be in tune with why you're saying that you require this balance. Like, is it because you're working 80 hours a week? Well, there's people out there who work 80 hours a week, but they're so passionate about what they do that they feel perfectly fine versus somebody else who's working 40 hours a week and they're screaming for balance. And it's not because they're lazy. It's more than likely because they're not passionate about what they're doing. They're not into it anymore. They feel exhausted and drained because they think another day of doing this job or another day of doing this task is going to drive me crazy. Well, that's really because you're out of sorts. So what you really need to do, and I think the balance piece is, is that we need to get into sorts. I'm career transitioning all the time, but I'm taking the skills that I've developed over the years to be able to navigate into a, a new area. Hope that answered that question. It was exactly what I was hoping to hear, hoping to hear. Um, <laughs> you talk about getting back into sorts. And so I also believe that actual work-life balance is not balanced like a teeter-totter. It's more flexing and being able to focus more on work things sometimes or focus more on family things, whatever mm-hmm. is key for you to get back to feeling like you're sorted, that you're back right. to stability. You've spoken a lot about adversity and resilience and things like that. And I really liked how, you know, your advice is face adversity head on, be vulnerable, develop these self-care practices and be proactive so that you don't have to just be reactive. And I think truly it's those techniques, those how-tos, like you talk about on Carly Lance, those how-tos are what's going to help you during the next hard thing you have to tackle. So really appreciate your thoughts and your insight. And if I could just touch on one more thing, just going back to those practices or those tools and being proactive about it, half the reason why I do it is because I want something that gets me excited because if I can't get myself off the couch... I have something to look forward to. And it was actually one of my MBA students, and I'm not going to mention her name, but when I used to work at Haskane School of Business, who had said that her father always asked them or always made sure they always had something to look forward to. Whatever it was, get something in your calendar to look forward to. And it actually helped me get out of a funk one time. And I had put something in my calendar and it was really exciting because it allowed me to have something to look forward to. That's not saying I was in like this doom and gloom situation with some people be like, oh my gosh, how dark was it? No, but I was just feeling like I'm dragging my feet unnecessarily and I needed to get something in my calendar to look forward to. Things were getting complacent. And I struggle with complacency. I struggle with stability because I I have roots of instability, <laughs> right? So it's not like I want my life to be super chaotic. I mean, I, I envy those who just are even keel, but having that something in your calendar to look forward to. And so when you have proactive practices, you have things in your contact list, right? Whether it's a massage therapist, whether it's your nail person, whether it's somebody else, and I know I'm talking, whether it's that activity that you like to do, and you can go and book that. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go get this done. And especially when you have tears, things that fall under the categories of 
if I show up, it's not going to require me to work. Okay, so if I go and get a pedicure, I don't have to put any work into that. If I go and get a massage, I don't have to put any work into that. And then you have another category of like, okay, I could put in a little bit of work, but not that much. So that could be something like going on the elliptical trainer at the gym, or it could be going out for drinks with friends, right? And limiting yourself to one hour, whatever it is. You have categories and you kind of know where, I know you have this one saying about the line in the sand and the concrete wall. You could tell people about that. Plans um, and goals in concrete. Yeah, goals in concrete, right? So the line in the sand is movable, as you said, but the goals in concrete, not movable. So you will know your limit pretty much and you'll stay within it, but itemize it. It's like, yeah, I want to do this. However... <laughs> I don't have the capacity to do that today, right? So what am I going to do today that will help me? I would like to end by asking my guests one question. What gives you hope? Things like this give me hope where I feel like, I mean, I know there's a lot of stories being shared out there, but now there with all of these different avenues of podcasts and we get to hear like a regular person's story, right? We don't get to hear like, just this big time celebrity and not discrediting their stories, but people need to be able to find people that they relate to that almost feel like they're accessible. And this gives me hope because it's things like this. Like I have this one friend, her name is Debbie and she owns the thing called resilience divas. And it's really just all about resilience and stuff like that. And what I like about that is that gives me hope to know that there is tools and resources out there for people when they need them. But things like this give me hope because the more and more of these that have surfaced and show up, the more accessibility people have. And they also get options. Like say they don't like what I'm saying today. Your next podcast person could be the perfect person for them to be able to connect with. At the end of the day, you're giving people in your network options that they may not know that they need. Oh, I love it. Oh, this has been such a great conversation and your enthusiasm and your positivity. It just, it really comes through in all the things you say. And I, our relationship started many, many, many years ago, Right. reconnected at exactly the right time for both of us. And I think the things that I can learn from you, and I know that the people listening to this can learn from you is just the beginning. So I so, so, so appreciate your time and you being here and your wisdom. And I look forward to continuing listen. to hear more. That's exciting. And I'm super excited to listen to more of your podcast. I know you have some amazing people lined up to chat with. So I will be tuning in because I want to keep hope alive. Right? <laughs> You're the best, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. You and thank too. you so much again for joining us today. Thanks so much for listening to the Hope Motivates Action podcast. Be sure to tune in every week as I interview more inspiring people who have used the power of hope to motivate action in their own lives. If you love this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. My ultimate goal is to travel the world spreading hope. So if you'd like me to speak to your group or organization, just get in touch. Love for you to visit my website at expert inhope.com and follow me on social media. I have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again for your support. And remember, hope without action 
is just a wish.